Welcome to the Audible Ecstasy Podcast. Each week we sit around and discuss the music from our past. Sometimes we agree. I call it iconic. It's a 10. That riff is un- it's incredible. Clearly a 10. This is one of the most iconic songs of the 80s. Um, iconic from start to finish. And sometimes we disagree. The song sounds like something you might hear at your aunt's funeral. The absolute worst lyrics ever. With the juvenile flush on that one? <laughs> I'm not dealing with that. I'm not dealing with that crap. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. All right, we are back with another Audible Ecstasy podcast. And this week is a special episode. Anthony is on vacation. We got a special guest. He's family. It's Jesse. Welcome to the podcast, Jesse, and thanks. This is your pick, and we are looking forward to doing this. You guys ready to rock and roll this? Yeah. I'm ready. How about you, Jesse? You Absolutely. Well, I want to say, guys, uh, I'd like to add before we get rolling this morning, uh, since Jesse's on the show today, I thought I might reach out to the guys at Weezer and see if they might uh, do a little something for us, and uh turns out they're fans of the show. I don't know if you can believe that or not, but they are. And uh, they sent a little jingle back, actually. They were like, well, we don't have time for an interview. But uh, And it sounds like uh, it sounds like they might have like a cold or something. So, you know, if, if Rivers sounds a little off in this, just forgive him. But here you go. <laughs> if you want to enjoy this podcast, please hit subscribe and don't walk away. Don't walk away. Takes bad boys and flushes. You won't regret it. We'll be on your face. Thanks, Rivers. Oh my God, dude! I had no idea he was a fan. Yeah. You know, that's that's great. It was a little rough, but I got I got to give him credit, man. He pulled through. He might have COVID or something. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> it's but he plowed through that. So I'll give him Appreciate props. Mad props. That's fantastic. Wow. Wow. But, Unbelievable! I would have never known. Would have never known. Oh God! Yeah, it shocked me too. It must be one of our twenty listens we get a week. <laughs> Is there a uh, tagline for this episode or anything that you got for us, Chris? I think that was the tagline right there. That man. would be the tagline. Yes. All right. Well, the tagline was: If you want to enjoy this podcast, please please hit subscribe and don't walk away. Yeah, so, it's a good one. Perfect. Man. Good one. Oh my God! <laughs> I like it. Let's get this thing started. First track. My name is Jonas.
right, guys. So my name is Jonas. Is the introduction to Weezer for a lot of folks, if they grab this CD cassette back in the, uh, what, 92, I think, is when this thing came out. Is that correct? Or is it 94? I, I can't remember. 94. No, 94. 94 yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about something that come out in the heart of grunge, and I can see where the struggle could have been real back in these days. So I'm going to start off by saying, any song that opens with the exact same lyrics it closes with is going to get a pretty good score in my book. That is hilarious. I don't know if you guys even caught that. song starts with my name is Jonas. It ends with my name is Jonas. I love the acoustic intro um, and then how the distortion kicks in. I mean, this is punk rock one, two, three. Three chords and a hard kick in the ass. I enjoy that. This is surprisingly catchy. Um, I found... I found myself going back to this more multiple times throughout the past week. Uh, I don't even know how you would consider. I mean, I'm assuming it's listed genre as alt rock, power pop, pop punk, emo, punk rock, and geek rock. You know, I guess it is geek a rock. dude. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I didn't know it was. I guess it is. But uh, you know what? Whatever it is, it's a great formula. It works. The workers are going home. I think it's great. It's a seven. Yep. Chris, do you want to go second? Or do you want uh, Jesse? We didn't do let's, the order. Let's let Jesse, Jesse go. All right. I, I pulled some, I, I'm going to pull Anthony's role this week. I pulled some song facts okay. I'm going to read off. So I'll let Jesse kind of go, and then I'll wrap it up with that. All, All right, right, Jesse. Yeah. So this is probably, at one point, at one point, probably five different songs off the album were my favorite Weezer song. It's changed over the years. <laughs> this was a long time running favorite song. This is probably my second favorite song by Weezer, you know, overall off all their albums. Uh, you know, like Jimmy kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of the, the finger picking acoustic, the uh, distortion build up. Uh, this is a good opening track. It sets the tone for the whole album. Um, you know, and one thing that stands out is that quiet, loud dynamic a la the Pixies, Nirvana, kind of, you know, those songs you'll have clean channel verse and then, a, you know, a crunchy distorted, you know, chorus or something like that. Right. And it's and this song, it's cool. It's like a heavy waltz. You know, it, it really <laughs> nice. is. It's like a, yeah, I, I think that. it's like a, yeah. you know, three, four time signature, duh, 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 like that. Yeah. And it's just right. kind of a, you know, it's, it's not an odd time signature, but for, you know, a band that's pretty straightforward, you know, it's kind of different. Um, the harmonica, you know, that yeah. that takes you by surprise. You know, it's I mean, like I said, <laughs> and and Jimmy brought up another really, really good point. It ends like it begins, and and I found actually there's a few songs on this album, right? Really, like that that very uh, similar. And and with this one, musically and lyrically, ends like it begins. So for me, I love the song. It's ten. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, wow. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. This. <laughs> And I think I think I made a kick of the balls. I was one of the seven, man. Oh my yeah. god, I feel okay, like right. I feel like crap and, now. All of a sudden. And no, I, th I think that like I'm, uh, you know, I'm sitting in for Anthony, and he, he seems to be the more gentle scorer of the group. Oh, he's he's so, definitely the so, Mikey of the podcast. So, so maybe there I'm, yeah, maybe I'm kind of feeling that role as well. That is yeah, perfect. That's fair. No, no, seriously, it's as I've said it a million times. It's all in how you hear it, and it's all in how the song hits you. So yeah. this is great. Because I know this is this is definitely something your recommendation. We know that you're going to have some favorites on this that are going to be different than what we expect. I love it. This sure. is awesome. This is going to be a great discussion. Chris, what do you think about my name is Jonas? Well, I'll start off with the song facts. Actually, every song but one on this whole album had a song fact. At least one song fact with it. Awesome. 
and there were some that had several, but I'm just going to kind of condense that down. I won't go too long with that. Uh, but the one that kind of stood out to me on this, uh, the lyrics, uh, guess what I received in the mail today, words of deep c- concern from my little brother, refer to Rivers Cuomo uh, received a uh, letter from his brother Leaves. The guy's name is Leaves Cuomo. You can't tell me they didn't have hippie parents. Uh, that he got in a car accident. So that's kind of what that line was about in this. Uh, that's pretty much the, they didn't have a lot on this one, but but that is kind of what that line represents in this song. So as far as my review goes, I'll tell you, I, know, I know how Anthony feels. Now there is no meat left on the bone for this. I mean, you guys pretty much hit every <laughs> note I had, but I'll, I'll go ahead and read what I got. Uh, nice opener. I, I like the distortion. Uh, it seems like Weezer uses that distortion pedal a lot in their music, and it really fits with what pretty much what they do. Uh, it's kind of their trademark sound, really. Uh, this one definitely grew on me over the week. I, I like that harmonica as well. It kind of almost gives me like Springsteen vibes at the end of that song, which is un, you know characteristic for this kind of music, but it's right. pretty cool that it does that. I like that Workers Are Going Home line. It kind of makes you think of, uh, I'm going to go off topic a little bit. I was uh, listening to a podcast the other day. It was about rail travel in Europe, of all things. And they, these people were talking about how uh, on the weekends in Italy, the, the trains are just full of immigrants like from from Africa who like live in southern Italy but they work in northern Italy and, and like on the weekends they have to you know travel home and stuff and I start start to think like how many people in this country do that like they they work somewhere five days a week and come home on the weekends and it's, it's a rough existence man but I mean that's what people do to get by I know it has I don't know if you know he kept singing that line in the song it probably meant something to him I don't really know what it meant but uh right. It's probably, you know, a lot of construction workers. A lot of people do all kind of stuff in this country that they work away from home and have to go home on the weekends. And I don't know. Anyway, I gave it a seven. I think it's a great way to open the album. Fantastic. All right. So, um, yeah, when you said that. Probably the, a little uh, off topic there. No, nah, dude, know. you know what? That's actually, a, it's a weird thing. <laughs> but when you, when you said that, you know, Crystal, my wife's brother, John, he does that. Yeah. He literally will travel out and work throughout the week and then come home. Uh, and, you know, just construction work is exactly what he does. And. You know what? He's making a living doing it, and um, man, I think he's finding great success in that. So, you know, it's all your choices. If it's something that works for your family, you know what? That's how it rolls. All right, let's go to track number two. It's called No One Else. Chris. No one else. This one starts out like some power punk riffs, simple with great feeling. And it's really worth making this song catchy. I mean, obviously, when those riffs start kicking in, your head starts bobbing. It's easy to listen to, easy to get into. And I freaking love the guitar tone that Weezer's got on this record for in general, but especially this song. Um, 
I think it's a pretty solid follow-up to Jonas. Um, at least it doesn't have harmonica, for those who know me. Uh, that's that's <laughs> always a plus. Uh, but, you know, I, I think this is one of Crystal's favorite songs on this record. Uh, you know, I can't say anything. I think it's great. I think it's a seven, and that's where I'm at with uh, no one else. Jesse, what do you think about no one else? Well, my notes, you know, first thing pops up, great power pop song. I mean, this is like something, this is like a, like a updated sugary, more poppy version of like Cheap Trick or something like that. A little, little sped up. Right. You know, great point. That's a good, good, good and, call, man. Um, yeah. You know, it has kind of the immature lyrics that I could totally identify with as an idiot teenager. <laughs> right. When, when I got this album, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, pop hooks for days. You know, it's just a, oh, it's yeah. a catchy song, like you said, man. And again, it ends like it begins. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Same, same like chord progression, same drum lick, and oh, yeah. and at one point this was for a short period. This was was my favorite Weezer song. No kidding. You wow, know, probably okay. in probably in nineteen ninety five, you know, when I started getting into more like poppy punk rock stuff. Yeah. This was this yeah. was where it's at. I mean, short this is high school favorite song. For you right? Yeah. This, oh, I got this album. I think when I was in, I was first eighth grade or second eighth grade. I did okay. repeat. Uh, so, <laughs> so it wasn't good enough first time, but we'll do it again. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Sometimes two. Teachers, teachers didn't have enough of you the first time. But yeah, I was, I was probably maybe I think fourteen when ah. when this record came out. Fantastic, man. Yeah, because I know Crystal would have been late in high school. I'm not sure when she got into this record, but I mean, I'm telling you right now, as my end result will say, well, I'll tell you, she's a pretty big fan of these guys. But, all right, fantastic, man. All right, Chris. No one else. Well, there are no. This is the one song there are no fun, song facts on. Although I will say the next song uh, talks about this song in the in the song facts because I guess the next song was like a progression from from this song to that song, so it's in there. Uh, as far as this one goes, it's very in the pocket. You know, they don't they don't like deviate much from it. Uh, I will say it feels a little dated to me as far as that goes. I, you know, I I say it, Jesse. I don't mean it as an insult. Like I, I've. There are times when I feel like dated just means it's kind of a snapshot in time. Yeah. And that's what I get from this. It definitely feel, puts you back in the early 90s just listening to this kind of music. It's got a good flow to it. I like the guitar tone. I feel like, uh, is Rivers the main guitarist or do they have like another guy who's kind of like the lead? Well, uh, Brown Bell, Brown Bell's the other guitarist and I think we, uh, Rivers does the leads. Lead, he Brown, is the lead, right? Okay. Right. Yeah. And so Brown, Bell, Brown plays rhythm, basically. Yeah. Which there's a lot of rhythm in this stuff, too. So, yeah. like, I, you know. And they may trade off a little bit and he may noodle around a little bit on a lead. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel like it's a solid song. I can't say it like moved the needle a lot for me. I gave it a six. I think it's a very good song. But, okay. Uh, well, as far as like, you know, it's 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 decent. I mean, it's good, but like even very good. But it's not like one of the high hitters for me. Now we gotta we gotta admit this, Chris. This is not your go to style music, correct? No, I like this kind of music. The pop punk probably stuff. more than you, Jimmy. I figured you'd probably hate it more than me, quite honestly. Well, I've got. I mean, clearly, I, I go back. My my roots are punk and metal for sure. When it comes to it, I mean, good lord, dude, I've got a black flag tattoo for the love of God. So. <laughs> You know, um, <laughs> if it doesn't go punk, it doesn't go punk at all. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but, yeah, man, I'm just curious. I, I know this formula. It happens. It started, I guess, late 70s, and it's been the same chunky three-chord and kick your kick yourself in the face music for that it, many it's years. It's almost like 
I almost liken it to ACDC in a way. I do actually. Like this, that not that many notes being played, but they know how to play them, and they they nail them when they do it. You know, it's a, very similar to that. That's a perfect analogy because ACDC yeah. stuck with the same formula for so many years. Well, that pop genre or punk genre, I should say, has stuck with basically the same. Don't get me wrong. There's some punk guys that actually can shred it up, but for the most mm-hmm. part, you get that you know, it's three chords rocking it, and they just kill it. Man, all right, cool. Let's rock it out to track number three. It's The World Has Turned and Left Me Here. turned and left me here all right so i'm reading my review here before i while i was listening to this and i'm like i may have came off a little bit low on this one but here it is i love the heavy guitar i love the acoustic guitar ringing throughout this intro because that is something that just meshes up so nicely with these guys that three chord formula is in full effect as we continue the record this is the masturbator song (laughs) in case you guys didn't read the lyrics (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's 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 pretty it's pretty funny um i think that uh the guitar tone is absolutely fantastic it's just dark and heavy and i do dig that the lyrics are somewhat humorous uh i found this song to be somewhere between very good and great and i may have come in low i'm at a six and a half but maybe i may have gone up i may should go up to like a seven because honestly it's so catchy like a lot of these songs are it's just catchy all right nonetheless I'm going to leave it six and a half. I'll probably round up later. But uh, Chris, or excuse me, Jesse, what do you think about the world's turn and left me here? All right. I mean, <clears throat> I like this song. You know, if there's um, a song, I, I've listened to this album, you know, a lot. And there's there's maybe two songs, maybe three songs that, in, you know, in a certain mood, I might skip. I usually don't. I usually just listen to it. But <clears throat> if that's the case, if I'm in that mood or time is of the essence, this might be one that I skip. But I still, oh, nice. I like, I like, now I love the song. The, the, like you're pointing out, the, the finger picking over top of the, you know, guitar. And normally, yeah. normally they go from one to the other. And this, it's overlaid and it sounds nice. If you listen to headphones, if you're listening to it on headphones, it comes through nicely. The finger picking and, you know, the overdriven guitars, the backup vocals at the, toward the end of the song. Oh, yeah. I like, I, I love Matt Sharp's backup vocals and, and I guess Brian Bell too. And the bass right. player, Matt Sharp. Don't get a whole lot of love because you know his bass lines aren't flashy, and he's only with them for two albums. But like his backup vocals, he kind of does. If there's like any like falsettos and stuff in the background, I think it's Matt Sharp. But oh, wow. he kind of he kind of pops in, a la Michael Anthony, you know, higher pitched backup vocals similar to that, or Mike right. Mike Mills from REM, 
you know, something like that, kind of a higher I'm familiar pitch. with that yeah. one. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I'm gonna make Jimmy listen to Mariam. Yeah, up I like I like Mariam, but oh my but God. you know, it, it's similar to that. It, it offers a good contrast to to normal kind of monotonish, um, you know, lead vocals. So yep. uh, in the opening drum lick, this it's quick, yep. it's simple, and it just I think it starts it off right. But I, I gave that one a seven. Very good. All right, Chris. Talk to us. The world's turned to left me here. We have a little song facts on this. Early on, they, they did, there weren't a ton of song facts for the first three songs, and then we kind of get more. Uh, on this one, uh, the main one that, that I'd point out was uh, the character in this song is the same one from No One Else. In No One Else, he gets extremely jealous over his girlfriend, and in this song, he wonders why she left him. So that's kind of like the song kind of flows. And, and I will say, like to me, this song flows from two to three really well. It, it feels kind of like a continuation of the same song. Um, again, really much in the pocket. Again, a little dated as far as that goes. It definitely puts you in, in the early 90s when you're listening to it. I felt a little better than the last song. I think it stands out a little more. I think the chorus is a little more singable as far as that goes. It kind of gets stuck in your head a little better. I, I'm with you, Jimmy. I gave it a six and a half as well. All right, perfect. Let's go to track number four, a little-known tune called Buddy Holly. Hit it, Chris. What's with this Buddy Holly, and I'm going to forgive me on this one, Jesse. I'm going to say this. I think it's one of the biggest songs Weezer ever had, simply based on video play. Because of all this whole album, prior to Crystal, I'd only heard a couple of these songs, uh, Buddy Holly being one of them. And as soon as this song came on, when I started listening, whenever I found out we were doing this review, um, the video plays in my mind as I'm hearing this song because it's that just in my mind. It's just there. And I remember it so. What is this? The uh, what? What TV show was that from? The Fonz. What, what was that show? Happy Days. Happy Days. This is a Happy Days video, right? I mean, it's yeah, based it something similar to that. I mean, what can you, I mean? What else can you say about a song that when you hear it, the video plays and you you can see the video vividly, not being played in front of you? I don't even know. It's easy to sing along with. It's absolutely unforgettable. And I will say that. I bet Weezer absolutely hates playing this song to this day. I don't know if it's true because it's so popular. I don't know, man. Uh, I can see those guys being that way. <laughs> no, he, but he loves it, actually. Does he? That's good because this song is absolute perfection. I'm at a 10. All right, Jesse, what do you think about Buddy Holly? Well, I mean, I, I love this song, and I didn't rate it quite as high as you, you did, but um, – you know, it's it's a great song, and you made a great point, man. You literally see this song as you hear it, right? And that's right. a pretty that's a pretty big deal. It's you can't separate the video from the song anymore. 
Um, and, and that's where I first heard the song was when it was released as a single. So, I mean, that, that's a really good point. You actually see this, see this song in here. Right. Right. Um, another quick note, synth appearance. Yeah. Quick synth, right. Quick yeah, little synth yeah. part. And I love it. I love synthesizers. Uh, I, I, I just do. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for that stuff. Um, you know, like in the middle You're part of the song. Island on your own on that one, man. I know how you guys feel about it. And, and it's, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a synth guy. But anyway, um, in the middle of the song, the part where it says bang, bang, knock on the door, that's a pretty mean riff. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. it's, I mean, and, and, and it's not, I, I don't know, man. It just kind of stands out as like, it's not a heavy song by any means. It's a, it's a pop song and it's great. But that part you know, you can hear where he, I guess you don't have a noise gate or something on. Like you can hear every time he does a quick stop between, you know, during his court changes, you can hear the feedback ring out. And I right. think that's awesome. And the, the other big note, like you said, Jimmy, is you cannot talk about the video when you talk about the song. And I put Spike Jones in parentheses because he directed this video. Right. He directed, okay. Uh, uh, the sweater song video. And, and say it ain't so, right? Uh, I don't do know if he say it ain't so. He may have, I'm not sure. Uh, but I, I, know, I definitely know he did Buddy Holly, which was a huge deal. The video is considered. It's got to be iconic, dude. Has to be. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And 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 the song might be iconic because of the video, because you can't separate the two. That's probably so, what my problem is. But man, but but you know, with Spike Jones, I mean, he went on the direct, you know, like, like Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. You know, yeah. I mean, he he become like what the like the it director for music videos and and kind of. You know, this was the lead up for a long to run. For a long yeah, and, run, and, and some of the Beastie Boys. I'm not sure when Sabotage came out. If it was after this, it might have been later in '94, early '95. Probably about the same time. To be honest with you, man, this is uh, Beastie Boys yeah. would have been hot stuff back in yeah. the mid '90s. This, this is, this is right, right in the yeah. middle of it. But you can't. I mean, it, like I said, you can't talk about the song without the video, and that and that kind of like, uh, kind of is to the detriment of the song. Cause it's, it's not a bad song. It's a really good song. If I just heard that on, if I just heard that without the video, I would still really like that song. No, and yeah, I might even catchy. like it more Absolutely. just because of the, I mean, he's talking about like Buddy Holly, Mary Tyler Moore, you know, it kind of brings back like a fifties rock vibe. And, and that could, again, that's the influence of the video. Absolutely. You know, just, man. just the, the, the happy days. The fact that the scene. rivers looks kind of looks like Buddy he Holly. He does too. look like Maybe Buddy Holly. That's part of the reason that hits so much. Holy I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, just the, right the the thick rim glasses and all that so uh let's see hang on. what did uh let's see eight is what i rated that one just because excellent that's excellent I, so, I, yeah. I think it's a great yeah, song good. but it's not my favorite song so understood that's cool man understood. i understand that absolutely all right chris talk to us buddy holly okay well there's a lot of song facts on here i'm just gonna cherry pick the best ones from what i can tell we've talked a lot about that video there was some stuff in there for that but i'm gonna leave that alone First off, this song was released on Buddy Holly's birthday, uh, September the 7th, 1994. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. I, I, I don't know no if that was idea. done intentionally or if they just it was just coincidence, but that was kind of interesting. I did not know that. That's awesome. Early demo of this song had a slower tempo and some different lyrics. The chorus originally said, Ooh, wee, ooh, you look just like Ginger Rogers. Oh, I move just like Fred Astaire before they changed it to what it is now. So I thought that was interesting. I was like, wow, slower tempo and then different lyrics. I think they made the right move. Rick Ocasek produced this album. I don't know if you guys are aware of that or not. I'm sure, Jesse, you probably are. And Jimmy, you may be too. I, I, but, I am uh, now, but yeah, I'm sure that's one of the reasons why Crystal likes it, the cars, I'm sure. Turns out turns out that uh, originally Rivers didn't think the song fit the album and was tempted to leave it off, and Ocasek insisted he play it. 
and, and put it, leave it on the album. He said, and Quinlan said he thanked him that he left it on down the road because it became one of his favorite songs to perform in person. So that that was pretty interesting. Thinking he almost just left this song off the album because he didn't think it fit. I mean, <laughs> this is maybe their biggest hit, man. I mean, it's not their highest strings. You know, I I count the strong song streams. The three big hits on this album are in their top five on Spotify. Their top one is uh, Island in the Stream, which isn't. But uh, this is like two, three, and four right here, I think. Maybe two, three, and five. But uh, still, it's like, this is, and believe it, this actually is not, I think uh, the highest stream one on on Spotify for these guys is Say It Ain't So. But it was was pretty close to that. They're they're at 300-some million. I mean, it's, it's a lot of listens on there. Anyway, those are the song facts I'll hit. I mean, that was pretty, there was some more stuff about how Al from the Happy Days was in the video. He made cameo and stuff like that, but nothing. That's pretty awesome. Nothing too major. Yeah, as far as this song, it's it's easy for me, guys. This is the one that I knew immediately as soon as I heard it. Uh, it's infectious. Such a singable chorus. It's an iconic song. There's no question about it. Uh, anybody our age should know this song. If they don't, there's something wrong with them. It's it's an easy ten. I mean, this is an easy ten. Nice. That is awesome, dude. All right, we'll move it up to the next song. It's called Undone. Hit it, Chris. Let's talk about one thing before I get started. I had no clue this was a single. That should speak really? volumes as to what the follow-up song did for this band, at least in my ears. Had no idea this was a single. This was their first release, according to Wikipedia, and then Buddy Holly was second. I never knew anything existed prior to the video to Buddy Holly. So, that being said, I'm, I was only familiar for the longest time with the with the two songs I thought were singles, uh, which was Buddy Holly and Saying Ain't So. So with this song being a single, me listening to this first few listens, especially over the years, I, I could skip this one as sad as that sounds back in the day, but meeting with Crystal kind of force feeding me these records over the time because she's, like I said, she's a huge Weezer fan. Um, it, it did start to grow on me. And even when I went back and re-listened this past week, um, this song follows the same musical formula that they have all throughout. It's absolutely a fantastic mix of punk and alt rock. Um, I will say, like I said, I honestly hated this song when I first heard it years ago, but over time it turned into something that is 
very well, very well done. Uh, the guitar solo, especially, I, I basically had glanced over this one over the years. The guitar solo saw it on this one for a punk rock band, if you will. Um, multiple listens allowed me to appreciate this, and this is the key thing: when you listen to something you're not super familiar with, you got to give it multiple shots, or you're just not going to be able to give it a fair assessment. Um, this song grew so much over the time; it really became something that is between, I thought, between good and very good, and actually turned out to be great in my opinion. I'm at a seven on this one. I think it's a great tune. I regret not appreciating it when it first came out more so, but I was pure metal in those days, so that's you know, you gotta that's the way I was. That's how I rolled. But nonetheless, it's a seven. Jesse, undone. Uh you know, this is the first Weezer song I heard. And, you know, I heard it on M T V, you know, with the the video again, the Spike Jones video. And I was like, this is awesome. And I was like, who are these? I was like, I was like, who are these dorks? Like, because normally <laughs> they was young, you, man. You, Holy crap! Yeah, look at these videos. And, wow, they were kids. Yeah, and and once you hear that type of like guitar tone, you expect more. You expect more than like some dork in a sweater and a bowl cut. You know, right, like I saw right. that, and I was like, look at this dude. Look, and then I was like, the drummer looks like the janitor at the high school, man. Like he kind of looked like the janitor they had at the high school in town I grew up in. So I mean, it's like. And then, you know, they kind of like noodled around with that kind of quiet, loud thing, you know, and the clean channel guitar, you know, the, you know, overdriven riffs, you know, once it kicks in that the feedback just before they start into the chorus rings out. Yeah. I, I love that. Ready to rock, don't you? Yeah. It's kind of like Jimmy mentioned Black Flag earlier. A lot of like rides above. That's one where like every, every Black Flag song, you know. Right when he cranks it up, he didn't have a noise gate. You just hear that like distortion, and I kind of I like. In, and there's a few songs with Weezer like that, like before a chorus or something kicks in, you'll hear that little bit of feedback. Um, you know, like the the drum lick at the beginning. You know, Patrick Wilson's drumming on this is very subdued, and I, you know, like I said, I think that might be due to Rico Kasich. Rico Kasich, I don't know how you pronounce it. You know, because you listen to the cars, right. drummer never stood out no, on that. So it could right. be something he he might just keep the drummer in check. Because I've heard demos for this album, and the drumming still isn't really out there and crazy, but it's a little more. He does a little bit more, and then the album albums after this, you know, he he did a little more. But I love that little opening, you know, drum lick. Um, again, the video was cool. It's not a it's not an iconic video like uh, Buddy Holly, but it, it's still you know. Uh, pretty awesome so uh you know i give this one a 10 just because this was the first weezer song i heard this is what kind of piqued my interest in right. them I, if, if i hadn't heard this i would have heard buddy holly and i would have went down the same road and got this album and, and loved it just the same and then discovered this song and then loved it as well but it just happened to be the first one and just the like for me like the quiet loud dynamic you know going from quiet and and you know clean channel to distorted was kind of the way I saw the band. Like it was like it, there was like contrast between how they looked and, and then some of the riffs. Dude, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. This is absolutely crazy. Wow. Wow. All right. So I'm glad to see Anthony did make it on the episode this week. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking, man. I am straight joking. I'm joking. I, I, I totally get it. I mean, I'm, I love I'm, it. No, nah, dude, this guy, is you know, this is your thing, and this, this is great. This, this because, is gonna be some fanboy involved. When it's yeah, I do it all. Everything I pick, it, yeah. for the most part, I try to throw myself in check, but it's very, very hard to do so when you find something you love. All right, Chris, yeah. <laughs> what do you think about Undone? Right, so, so, some song facts on this one. Um, 
This was the first Weezer song that Rivers Cuomo ever wrote back in 1991, and three years later it was released as the band's first single. So I'm sure he wrote a lot of other bands because from what I've understood, he was kind of a metal guy back in the 80s, and then, uh, but, you know, he kind of like merged into what he became, uh, you know. Dude, I think he was actually in a hair metal band at some point in time. Is that not true? I I saw some TikTok that kind of went over his history where we worked in a record store, and he was kind of sheltered as a kid, and he wound up like getting exposed to all his music in his record store. And he said that's the the one advice he'd give any budding musician, go work in a record store, learn everything you can, you know. Ah, cool. But anyway, if you you look at that picture of him, I'm sorry, if you look at that picture of him from one of his demo albums that they eventually released, I don't know if it's the first or second volume. I think they were called Alone because he just did everything on them. Right. Yeah, and I think it's the second one. He has like the picture of him as as a kid, some type of kind of portrait where he's kind of like staring off into the distance, and he's got this massive, you know, like rock and roll eighties hair metal hair. (laughs) And and he says that wasn't like, you know, that wasn't an ironic choice. That was how that was how he rolled at that point. You know, he wasn't trying to be like you know, funny or zany or anything like that. That's just how he was, man. He was a metal guy, so. That is awesome. Oh, my God. All right, Chris, continue. Sorry, brother, I didn't mean to break it up. That's okay. And the one fact that you'll appreciate on this, Jimmy, here Cuomo told Rolling Stone, I was trying to write a Velvet Underground-type song because I was super into them, and I came up with that guitar riff. It wasn't until years later that I realized it almost is a complete ripoff of Sanitarium by Metallica. Yeah, I just perfectly it just perfectly encapsulates Weezer to me. You're trying to be cool like Velvet Underground, but your metal roots just pump through unconsciously. So, I thought that was a pretty cool line. I, awesome. I was like, I'm not sure I get Sanitarium from this song. Maybe maybe lyrically, it's, I don't. Well, it's, I don't it's the riff. No, it's the riff. It is. Oh, you think the riffs are similar to Sanitarium? Well, it's the same chords, man. Yeah, I guess so. That's entirely possible. Yeah, I'm trying to think. So. It is. It, so anyway, so those are that's the song facts on this. So as far as my review goes. Uh, I think this is song is a prime of ex- example of how a song when I can say it's kind of dated, but it's a good thing because this that intro it puts you like right into a '90s house party, man. The way everybody's talking back and forth to each other, right? This transports right. you back in time. I will say, and I don't know if either one of you guys listen to this band. That intro reminds me a whole lot of a early Death Cab for Cutie song. That the way that it starts in the clean guitar, and it, but then they just crush it with that fuzz, you know, coming in over top of it the way they do, which. I really like I like the way all that kind of transpires at the beginning of the song. The chorus again, very singable. You know, what I mean, right? Again, Rivers, we appreciate you bringing that uh, that demo to us. You know, kind of like <laughs> editing words around a little bit for this. That oh was my nice god, they are going to kill uh, us. <laughs> I mean, I didn't give it a ten. I gave it a nine. But I can see Jesse why you oh, gave wow. it a ten because I think this song was almost as iconic as Buddy Holly, as far as that goes. Uh, not wow. quite, but it's it's real good. I mean, it's an outstanding song. So that's where I am with it. All right, cool. Well, let's go to track number six. It's called Surf Wax America. See, it's foaming like a bottle of beer. The wave is coming, but I ain't got no fear. I'm waxing down to that Octoria Pass. Waxing down because it's really a blast. Don't trust it because I don't like it.
Surf Wax America. I have no idea what this song means to them or anything like this, but this is a catchy, catchy song. I'm going to go ahead and say this. I hope to God Blink-182 is paying them royalties to this day because they every Blink-182 song that's popular is absolutely this exact same riff. So I'm just going to say it, and I love some Blink-182. Don't get me wrong, guys. Enema of the State is absolutely one of my favorite records from this era, if you will. But this song is my sleeper on this record. So I'm telling you right now, I love this song. I love this song. I mean, I, I jokingly put it, Jimmy. <laughs> this, this is this is this is how I jokingly put this on. I was like, this one sounded like what Blink One Eighty Two took to the next level, and I was like, I wonder if Blink ever gave credit to Weezer for writing about half of their riffs. Nonetheless, I do love the song. Absolutely catchy, very easy to sing along with. I love it, and I might have come in low with this, but I'm at an eight and a half. I think it's absolute between was it excellent and and uh, or great and excellent, yeah, outstanding, outstanding, yeah, outstanding. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. Eight and a half. I think it's solid. Jesse, what do you think about Surf Wax America? Man, I love this song. <clears throat> you know, this was, at one point, this was my favorite song off of this yeah, song. I can see that. I think that, that, was, when, that, that yeah. was when I was, you know, you know, I kind of transitioned from kind of more alternative stuff into more punk rock stuff. And this was this was kind of like the punk punkest song on this album. And But it's still, but it also, it's almost like an outlier. It, it's like it fits, but it don't exactly fit just because it's a little bit faster. Right. It's a little bit, um, you know, you know, it's a punkier song, and and the surf guitar kind of stands out as a, as a little oh, bit different. Yeah. That kind of just like that that finger picking on you know the clean, you know, line there sounds pretty cool. Um, you know, it's just a catchy song. The the chorus is very catchy. You know, it's got hooks. Uh, dude, the riff at the end, oh yeah, like when it God. breaks in, you know, that's that's a pretty mean riff that's right heavy. there. You know. And then, uh, of course, you know, get in the middle of the song, Matt Sharp's backup vocals, you know, kind of the, the high-pitched stuff in there. I think it was him. It could have been Brian Bell. Either way, I like it. I like the way it stands out. And then the other, my other note, and I could be mistaken, but this might be the only song on this album that doesn't have a solo. Or at least like a at least a kind of a lead part, right? You may you know right somebody noodling that. around a little bit. As far as I can tell, I've made a note of that. No solo with multiple ex, uh, multiple uh, question marks because I'm not exactly sure, but I think it might be the only one without us. I will say this: some other solo. When I don't mention a solo, that's how good a song actually is. Not to have a solo, me to say, "Hey man, a solo <laughs> made this stand out." Because this song is that good that it didn't even have a solo. I didn't yeah. even realize not to say anything about it. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, Chris, what did you think? that one? An, Oh, oh, my bad. Jesse, go ahead. Now. Sorry. Let's I, I that one yeah. <laughs> my bad. Nine. My bad. My bad. Nine is awesome, dude. Yeah, outstanding. I, I feel like I'm guilty not going nine myself because it is outstanding. But uh, all right, Chris, talk to us. Okay, so song facts on this one. Uh, during the Blue Album and Pinkerton tours in the early and mid-90s, this was Weezer's go-to show closer. So they pretty much show, closed every concert with this song in the first two tours. Uh, when Weezer plays the song during the live shows now, some hardcore fans shout out Smoke Dope during the song's breakdown as a reference to an unruly fan that can be heard shouting the same thing in the 1994 live version. So that's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> Get this picture of that. You know? yeah, so that, that's all the notes on that one. That cracked me up. That is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, this is my sleeper too, Jimmy. It's, this is a great song. I love the idea of just being able to commute to work on your surfboard, you know. I mean, that, that just is like... <laughs> <laughs> that'll never be my life but i think it's pretty awesome if you could That's, do that yeah it'd be the life i can thing. see why it's a fan favorite it's just a fun song that rocks it's got a lot of personality to it uh i will say the intro reminds me uh, of uh 
early REM. I think they both ought to be paying tri- uh, royalties to them. It sounds like it came off maybe Fables of the Reconstruction or something like that. It's a that old. I mean, that sounds like an REM riff right there to me. Yeah, uh, I get an eight. I, I think it's excellent. Uh, I may be a little low on that too because it is my sleeper. I probably should have given it a nine, but it, it wasn't a release. It wasn't a single, so you know. But it, but I feel like it's a fantastic song on this album. Yeah, that's awesome, man. All right, so we're gonna go track seven. It's called "Say It Ain't So." Jesse, you had mentioned songs that doesn't sound like it should fit. This one right here to me sounds like it shouldn't fit on this record. However, they have got a mixture of something, some kind of formula they're creating here that's like stealing some riffs from Sublime. You know, if yeah. you guys remember early yeah, Sublime, it, like Sublime, it absolutely though. has that vibe to it. That chill start out and then the distortion kicks in and ramps up and becomes a monster. I mean, and also when a song person personally mentions me in it, you know, it's going to get some high ratings for me. So <laughs> thanks river. I, I appreciate that, sir. All right. Nonetheless, um, I think this, in all seriousness, this song is dealing with a serious situation and I don't know the history on this. Chris, you may know about it, but it, it sounds like maybe a father or a father-in-law or stepdad or something like that. That is it, alcohol, alcoholic. It's, it's a song about his father. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he must have had an alcohol issue because it seems like that's what he's talking about. Um, and I do wish I knew the whole background story on this. Once again, second song I ever heard by Weezer and second video I've ever saw by Weezer. Still to this day, they're, I think they're jamming in like a laundry room when they're playing this on the video. I can I can see the video in my mind. So it's it's crazy. And it maybe maybe it's a kitchen. I don't remember. But I know they're sitting there and somebody's either doing dishes or doing laundry or something in the background. <laughs> it's weird. but And I think you're playing hacky sack at some point in time. So 90s, if you guys know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, uh, It's pure. And these Definitely guys the look 90s, like, man. <laughs> when Jesse said dork, they actually, you know, they're wearing the crazy colored pants and, you know, they got the glass, glasses on. I mean, it, absolutely. What it, it's just, this is, I mean, obviously, I assume a perfection for my end. I think this is Weezer perfection. Um, not just for song quality but song meaning as well because i think this is pretty deep lyrically uh i'm giving it a 10 jesse what do you think about saying wow. so you know i, I love i love this song you know the video was awesome you know like you said i think it's kind of it's going through the house and they're playing okay, like, yeah. in the side room <laughs> it might be it might be a laundry room there's probably like a washer and dryer sitting there and then they're out in the yard playing hockey sack of course you know like an impressionable teen i went straight out and 
got a hacky sack at the ski yeah. house and Abby didn't, you know, I was down there, you know, getting, getting some, uh, trucks from my skateboard and I was like, oh, that's hacky a hacky sack. sack. <laughs> yeah. So something to do while I'm not skateboarding, you know what I mean? Oh, and, uh, man. so yeah. And, and kind of like you mentioned, Jimmy, the, uh, I guess like kind of the upstroke on the guitar, yep. you know, at, at kind of more of like a, like a skank on the guitar, like a, you know, slow Scottish yeah. song, uh, it's a departure from the rest of the album. And they kind of like noodles on the lead, you know, kind of throughout some of the, the verses and the, and the pre or the parts that come up before the verses, as opposed to just kind of like laying it out there in a solo. It kind of, there's a little bit of lead kind of all throughout the song. That's kind of neat. Um, again, it ends like it begins. I'm pretty sure. And for me, I don't know if it's the bridge or what you call it, like a turnaround or a bridge, whatever, whatever's happening right before, whatever bleeds into the solo and I don't know how long it is on my notes. I just put this, the bridge is the best 40 seconds of this album. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's a that part killer it's, part. Killer uh, part. Dear daddy, yeah. I write you that part. That is, is heavy stuff. Fantastic. Man. Yeah. And, and the yeah. way it, and, and the way it bleeds right, the way it, it goes perfectly transitions into the solo. Like I, I love that part. And this is not even close to like my, my favorite Weezer song. I love it, but that's like my favorite part of this, this whole album. So, you know, of course I gave it a 10. That a boy, you know, yeah, Christopher, talk Jason. to us. Song, song facts on this one. You're right; it is about his dad. Uh, here's a line that, uh, that it's about a paragraph that pretty much sums up the song. I think uh, when when Cuomo sings, "You've cleaned up, found Jesus," he's referring to his dad's religious epiphany. Frank became a Pentecostal preacher years later. Rivers enjoyed watching wow. videos of his father's sermons, which often incorporated music. Frank was a professional drummer at one point. This helps Rivers come to terms with his insecurities on stage. He never looked like a rock star, and sometimes he felt like he didn't belong on stage, but seeing his father do it helped Rivers realize that he had a genetic gift for his performing. So it's kind of what the song's about. Uh, it did say his dad, uh, his biological father, Frank, I don't know, they say biological father, I don't know if he had like a stepdad or something that stepped in, but uh, yeah, when he was, uh, let's say after leaving, when, when Cuomo was four, so the dad left when he was four years old, uh, Rivers saw Frank infrequently until around the time when this, this song was released, at which point they renewed their relationship. So I guess once Rivers got famous, dad wanted back into life. I don't know. But uh, interesting wow. side note on that song. Yeah. As far as my review goes, I'll tell you, I get a lot of red hot chili peppers from this. It sounds like that. Is it Under the Bridge, Under the bridge. or something? That, that song that kind of like the begins. So I think they should be giving. I'm almost positive that song came out after this did. So. Once again, I think, you know, I, I'll tell you, Weezer like influenced a lot of different bands, I think, in, in, in their sound. Right. Because most of the stuff in the mid 90s was grunge and they were, really weren't. I mean, there's shades of like some down tuned distortion in their stuff, but it's, it's, it's not at all grunge as far as that goes. So I respect them for standing out from the crowd when they were writing these songs because it would have been really easy to fall into that Alice in Chains, Stone Temple Pilots mold instead of like. Because, uh, I mean, I know at his core, he's a rocker, too. He's he said that in the past. But, yeah, as far as this song goes, it feels like the Chili Peps to me, in a way. I like the way the distortion kicks in over that kind of clean. They do that a lot. I like I like the way the distortion kicks in over the clean channel. They just That's their sound, and they crush it most of the time. Uh, yeah, you're right. I like that breakdown, like you mentioned, Jesse, the part there where he's like that dear daddy. You know, that's, that may be one of the best parts of this album. Uh, the chorus is very easy to sing along to. It gets stuck in your head. I'm probably a little low. I only gave it an eight. I think guys gave it tens and stuff. I, I don't feel like it's Buddy Holly good, but I think it's, or even really Sweater Song good. But but I do. 
don't know. It drags a lot in places for me. Maybe that's the re- reason I didn't give it uh, a 10, but I'm sticking with the score. I give it an 8. There's nothing wrong with that. Like I said, Chris, yeah. I, it's hard for me not to say something, especially with a band that I was not familiar with in the time of this band, because I did not really get into them until like well, 2002, It's their highest string song on this album, so most everybody agrees with you guys, I guess, but... Uh, which surprises me because I've, I've always felt like Buddy Holly maybe was their biggest hit and that this is more stream than that. It's a little surprising to me, but man, I hate to say it. Maybe it hits home to more people than you realize. No, it probably does. And it's a great song. I mean, I, yeah. I, I do think, I mean, obviously I knew it immediately when I started listening well, to sure. this album. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. We're going to go to track number eight in the garage. All right, so in the garage, lyrically, this is me when I was 12 years old. Oh, my God. (laughs) Singing about Dungeons and Dragons, Kiss, Kiss. and specifically mentioning Ace Freely. You know this one's going to be special. It's got the same three-chord formula, and it's still working throughout this record. Not sure how I feel about the harmonica, and points will be deducted. But this song is still very good. I mean, I, I think it's between very good and great. Um, it really did. It's. I was almost felt like I was unfamiliar with it until I heard. It. I was like, I was listening to it again. I was like, Good lord, they're talking about kissing D and D. I'm all in. But uh, I gave it a six and a half. <laughs> it's, got some, it's got some great subject matter. I agree, man. <laughs> it does. All right, six and a half. Jesse, what do you think about in the garage? I love this song. I mean, at, again, at one point, this was my favorite Weezer song. It's just a good song, man. Like, right, right. It, like, okay, so to add an element of crunchiness to this, I don't know if y'all noticed, but like the bass is actually distorted in the song. At least it, it is, is on the verses. At the beginning. So I, I, I love that. Yeah. And, and as, as he's going through the part talking about the, you know, the D and D parts talking about the dungeon master's guide and all that, you can hear the bass is distorted in parts. And then of course the harmonicas just come out of the blue on this album. You never know when the harmonica is going to attack. I mean, it just like pops up a couple of times. It's just right. like a, it's like a thief in the night, man. Sneaking you never time. know when, it, you never know when it's going to come up. Yeah. So, um, and of course, you know, the D and D mentions is cool. Uh, mentioning Peter and Ace. That's awesome. You know, the, you know, the coolest members of kiss. Or I thought anyway. It's exactly. like for me, agreed. Yeah. For me, I, like I love the solo in this song, 
I'm not sure. Does he say rock right before the solo starts? He says something. I mean, he does. I think it is rock. It's weird. So yeah. You can't beat that. That's that's pretty yeah. rock and roll when you announce when you're going to rock. You know, you see, <laughs> don't catch nobody off guard. Like, I like that. Alert. And then, yeah. like, for me, like, kind of Jimmy said, you know, this is like the anthem for alienated youth. youth. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that, and it's, it's awesome. Man. It's a great song. So, again, it was one of my favorites. It's still, I consider it, you know, a Weezer classic. And, you know, obviously I gave it a 10. Oh wow. oh wow! Oh my god, that's yeah, awesome! I love, it's, I love this song, man. This is a great song. Like Weezer the distorted perfection. bass, the the go. distorted bass does it for me. In the in the kiss name dropping, yeah, the kiss that's name cool. dropping actually elevates that's, it. A that's, bit. A bu- that's a bump. I agree. But once again, I will announce the harmonica killed it for me. All right, nonetheless, Chris, <laughs> go ahead in the garage. All right, song facts on this one, and they do mention the fuzz bass effect on the track. So that you're you're not imagining that, Jesse. That's spot on. They said that, that uh, it's not typical of the, the album, but it helped give the song a garage rock sound to keep with the theme of the song. So I can, and I appreciate that part. I thought I thought it sounded really good. Uh, the address of the garage, twenty two twenty six Amherst Avenue, West Los Angeles, California, is where the band moved into in April of nineteen ninety two. It was a one car garage uh, laundry room, which was converted into a practice and demo recording spot. <laughs> it says in here the landlords in the main house were rightfully confused having been told the guys were UCLA film students <laughs> so they're out there like rocking <laughs> they told them they were film students <laughs> we're filming a concert that's funny that cracks me up yeah so you can street view that on Google if you guys want to it's not much to see but it's kind of interesting uh, yeah this is a fun song it rocks I appreciate the nod to Kiss Dungeons and Dragons uh, we have that patented Weezer distortion throughout the song, which I appreciate, especially on the bass guitar on this one. I think it's a really solid song on the back half of this album. I gave it an eight. Wow, I yeah. came in low, and it's actually... Well, I just really like the, the nod to... I think it was just the subject matter, honestly, man. I, I just like It's great, really, It gave you that garage kid vibe. I mean, it's like kind it of re- <laughs> revisiting your youth or something listening to that, man. It's pretty no, cool. I agree. I agree. It's a relatable. It's a relatable song for kids that grew up you know, listening to rock and big time. And, and even kids that were getting into like alternative stuff. You know, kind of like it was yeah. kind of mainstream stuff. Like Kiss was mainstream, but it was still kind of still different. I appreciate, it. yeah, it was different, man. You had the face make like parents hated it, no matter yeah. what. Yeah, they hated it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the I same thing it. with like when people got into punk and alternative, it was kind of like people would give you a side eye every now and then because you looked a little bit different. you know weird or whatever. Yeah. So you know awesome awesome all right let's go to track nine it's called holiday chris play this thing for us brother
Holiday. It's got a nice guitar intro, and it's what I'm just basically referred to as the Weezer tone because it's yeah. throughout this whole album, obviously. Alt rock, garage rock, distortion is in full effect. The song is good, and Weezer seems to be slowing down with ideas at this point in the record. Uh, nothing new here, but still a good song. The difference is there is like this jazzy break in the middle that allows almost a comedic moment to happen, and it makes it stand out as a little bit better than what you know, better than good. That's why I've got this rated between good and very good. I'm at a five and a half on this tune. Jesse, what do you think about Holiday? You know, I, I I like this song. It's not my favorite. It's uh, I mean, at this point, it sounds like the first verse could be used on like a cruise commercial or something like that for like, you know, carnival cruises <laughs> or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but I do like the melody, um, like the, the way they kind of just start right off with a, like a lead part, like straight from the jump. That's kind of right. different. Cause usually you kind of work into that a little bit. So that's cool. And then just when you think that song's starting to sound the same, they catch it with a, you know, surprise left hook. And there's like that do up part. Right. You know, you're like, well, where did this come from? It's literally almost like kind of like an old, like 50s doo-wop kind of sounding song. And, and I, I, you know, you got to respect kind of just throwing something like that in there on your first album, too. Right. You know right. what I mean? That, that's a pretty that's a pretty gutsy move. So uh, I like the song. It's not my favorite. Uh, I, I gave it a seven, which might be a little, uh, I don't know, maybe a little high. But I, I, I mean, I couldn't go too high on every song. And, and also, I didn't want to totally trash it because I still listen to this song. Like I really, if I want to skip one and I'm in the, if I'm, you know, in the right mood, I might skip this song, but I got you. See, yeah. this is where Anthony struggles as well. Don't feel bad. Uh, yeah, I, 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 mean, I totally, I totally, good I is still Anthony. good. Good is still good. Just so we all yeah. understand. I said it's between good and very good. Yeah. But I, I, I listen, takes I, offense like I, if you give something a good. I mean, it's like I've, like, I've heard, I love, I love it. I've listened Man. to you. I, I've listened to the podcast and, and I, I totally I like, you know, Anthony, <laughs> You go through and you guys are kind of you know rib him a little bit crap like that. on it. Like, yeah, I'm I like I totally identify with him on this man. It's <laughs> it is hard to be. He always sees the so half, judgmental the glasses like. half. Uh, yeah, half I'm full. Optimist. He's half full for him definitely. Yeah, yes. Anthony and I are, are the glass half full <laughs> yeah, folks. Exactly, exactly. All right, depends on the album for me. <laughs> Chris, <laughs> what do you think about holiday? I'm assuming I know what's getting ready to happen. No, you're not assuming correctly. That'll, that'll be the last song. Oh my I've, gosh, really? So, wow. Okay. So I got a few song facts on this one. Uh, the opening line of this song, Let's Go For A While, is likely a reference to the Beach Boys track, Let's Go Away For A While, from the album Pet Sounds. Cuomo has mentioned in the past that the Beach Boys, and that album in particular, are a huge influence on him. And I can totally hear that, guys. I, I get, you know, it, it took me a little while, and I was listening to the riff on this song, that opening riff, and I'm still not quite sure which song it is. But it reminds me so much of something, and I and I'm not quite. But I think it might be like a Beach Boys kind of riff that that I'm getting from that. Uh, and I do they're, they're, that kind of '50s rock sound that they throw out sometimes. I definitely think that's a nod to the Beach Boys. I, I can really appreciate that. There aren't too many more notes on this. It's talking a little bit about Jack Kerouac being his favorite uh, 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 philosopher, I guess. And and he like he he mentions him in the song, but beyond that, there's not too many more song notes. I think it's a very good song, guys. Actually, a great song. I gave it a seven overall. It stays in the pocket. I appreciate that 50s vibe to it as far as that goes. It's got a really catchy chorus. It's just good flow, man. It's got a really good flow to it. Uh, yeah, I think it's seven. I think it's, it's a great song on the back half of the album. So, All right. Very good. Let's go to the final song. 
Track 10, Only in Dreams. So the bass intro is completely different start and then the acoustic kicks in and then followed by the drums and you got some arpeggiated electric guitar sneaking in. I do typically prefer more rocking songs to close out records to leave me wanting more from this band in a future release. Um, it is the longest song on the record and it's a shame because, because of the length of the song, it actually brings it down a little bit. It's just because it drags so much. Until you get to about three minutes in and it starts absolutely rocking. They should have wrote a song based on those riffs in, the, in that middle minute and a half section that they absolutely blister on. And that is the only reason why this song isn't as high as it, I think it should be. Um, I do think it's very good, but it could have been better only because of that one section in the middle that, that led me believe, man, they had a killer song in their hands and they just kind of, you know, just try to mellow it out I, I, you know I don't know I don't know what's going through their minds I just felt like poor placement leads me to give a little bit lower score but still the song is very good and I appreciate what they've done here I, I, I found it a six and god I'm worried to death what Chris is going to call this one but this will be funny I'm at a six I think it's very good it's just not a great closer that's all it's overall for the song very good song just not a good closer Jesse what do you think about Only in Dreams uh well, this is my favorite Weezer song of all time. <laughs> I love, oh God, I love this good. song. Yes, I mean, I, I do. And, and 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 some of these things to me, I'm almost the exact oh opposite. I'm like, this ends the album perfectly, just because it eases you out of it. It's almost like uh, some, I got you. somebody has to wean themselves <laughs> off of drugs or something like ah, that. Like yes, you get the yes. rush, and you can't if you just end it like that, you'll go into DTs and die. Right, like just right. Kind of ease off of it. Um, wow. So, and I, I do like the way it ends the album. Um, and, and it does, it rocks in the middle. And, you know, I, I do, I made note that it is a long song in a good way for me. Because you're wow. talking, I think it's like seven minutes and 59 seconds. This is yeah, a it's over seven minutes. So it's a song. There's a lot of parts. It's a slow build, a very slow build. And then even after it rocks, it builds back up again for a little bit. And it, it kind of like builds up and winds back down. And again, it ends the way it begins. You know the same right. same way with the, with the bass notes. Um, I like the lead in the song, like that kind of out of tune, noodling over top of uh, you know just the you know in the clean channel parts. I like that. It's kind of got that dreamy sound. I mean, you know, it's implied in the right, title as right. well. So I just I just like the my, but toward the end of the song, like the way it builds up and then drops back off. I love that. So 
my favorite song. I gave it a 10. All right. Chris, are you going to tap the Billy Madison, or are you going to continue? <laughs> No, but I'm going to tap this, man. Dude, I'll play it. I'll play it. That's what he's doing. And I hate to flush for Jesse's favorite song of all time. I know. I'm like, oh, boy, this will be fun. No, this this was on, you know, I figured this might be, I figured this is possible for the flush. It's a struggle. Yeah. So, okay. Song facts. One last time. Uh, This is River's favorite guitar solo to play in concert. So, like, he he really likes the song. Uh, You know, it's a... Somebody asked him, he, well, he's got two. He said, I'd have to go with Only in Dreams and a song called Haunt You Every Day. Those are his two favorite solos to play in concert. <laughs> so so he likes it quite a bit. I'll give him that. Uh, it's, it's an eight-minute song from a band who plays three-and-a-half-minute songs most of the time. So, like, it's a long song for these guys. It ebbs and flows a lot. Uh, and, I, and I will admit, I think, with more listens, it's something that grows on you over time. So that's one of these things. I didn't really know this song going in and it was on the very end of this album. So I probably got three or four quality listens in on this song. I do think over time it would probably grow on me a little bit more, Uh, but it does drag in places and I'm not used to hearing them drag that much. So it it did get my flush. Uh, I gave it a five and a half. I do think it's between good and very good, Uh, but it was my lowest score of the night. So that's where, where it goes. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right. Yeah. All right. So um, let's re- let's let's finalize this. Our thoughts. Summarize what we think. Overall assessment. Now, to me, Weezer had escaped me back in the '90s, with the exception of the singles and video play that they had found in MTV and and some some radio play throughout the years. Uh, however. Alt rock really wasn't my go-to back in those days, and and really hasn't been, with the exception of friends listening to it or in my presence. You know, especially my wife when I met Crystal, she was a huge fan of Weezer. Man, I can tell you right now, she had them all, every record, and we listened to it quite often. You know, road trips, going to see the family in Kentucky, um, and the music really did rub off of me, and I become more of a fan to Weezer throughout the years, and um, and she's the main reason I'm a fan of these guys to this day. I know Chris was thinking I wasn't going to be a Weezer fan, but dude, yeah, I mean. Crystal loves these guys, and I'm all in. You did like this more than I expected, Jimmy, I'll admit. Well, like I said, it's not that I'm a closet (laughs) fan of these dudes. It's just that it's something I don't normally go to. But whenever Crystal, you know, I absolutely love a lot of their music. A lot of the music is great. Yeah, dude, exactly. But uh, (laughs) I think this is a great pick, Jesse, first of all, because it exposed a different style of music that we don't normally go to on this. And this might have been something we would have escaped, or it would have escaped us for a long time. You know, I don't know if, Chris, this is on your short list or not, because I know you have some alt-rock stuff throughout the 90s that you've got on the list. Um, Or at least not not necessarily alt-rock, but definitely different than what we normally review. Um, Once again, incredible debut record. I highly recommend it. My overall scoring came out to be, I think, a 7.7, and I think that is the perfect rating for this record. I like the album so much that, like, I have been looking to find this on vinyl, just so you guys know. And I've, you know, I've, I've dove into vinyl, and I don't want to order it online. I want to support local, you know, local record stores. We were in Asheville yesterday. I was looking to buy this yesterday and ended up scoring a couple other records that nobody had in stock. I mean, they have a few Weezer albums. They didn't have the first one in stock, and I wanted that one more so than the rest, just personally, because I think it's a solid record. But uh, overall, like I said, 7-7, seven, seven, I'm in. I think it's great, uh, and it's certainly worth a listen. Jesse, how's your final thoughts come? Well, I mean, you know, obviously I like this album a lot. I love this album. Um, you know, 
I wish like that the drummer would kind of been able to come out of a shell a little bit right. on the, on this record. I mean, and, right. and, and like he did on subsequent records, you know, like the next record, he, he kind of nothing crazy. And he's not like, he's not like the greatest drummer in the world, but he is a good not drummer. Tommy Lee, right? <laughs> Tommy Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Fake it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, that I, I like toward the end, only in dreams, he does cut loose a little bit, but you know, I, I'm not sure who put the, pulled the reins on him or whatever, but either way, uh, it's just a simple, like power pop, you know, alt punk album. And I love it. Like the simplicity of it yet. It still rocks. You know, there's good solos. And I think the solos are like, they're short, tasteful. You know, it's not like, I can't get too into like crazy long solos. It's just not, not my thing. Like I like right, a lot right. of metal and stuff like that. And I kind of, that's the part I kind of, it's like, I like some of it, but I mostly tolerate solos. Tolerating, see, I'm complete opposite. It's got to see Guns N' Roses, dude. You'll be going to the bathroom for 20 minutes on a slash solo. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so my overall thing is it sounds like some former metalheads decided to kind of embrace the 90s and and get more with the times and and add in just like a extreme dose of just pop into it. You know what I mean? A lot of pop sensibilities on, on this album. And you know, like I said, overall, I think it's a great listen. So it's probably one of my favorite albums of all time. One of the few records that I can for real just listen to start to finish almost any time. If I've got the time to sit down, I've had this, I've had this on probably three, the three major formats, you know, I've got on record. I had it on tape at some point. It probably got melted on the dashboard of my 89 escort at some point. And I've had it on, I've probably had three copies of it on CD for CDs getting broken, scratched, stolen. Yeah. So I've always had this album in multiple formats. So that's awesome. And what was your final score? Did you, did you average it out? I didn't, I didn't average it out. If anybody wants to do that complex math, they can, if not, I would dare say uh, yours is going to be a high eight judging by what I heard today. I should have wrote it down as we went because I was like, man, that's probably exactly where he is on that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Christopher, talk to us, sir. Well, I definitely remember this album from back in the the past. I'm pretty sure it's one of these I picked up at Sonic CDs in the late 90s and in the used bin and probably sold it back once I ripped it to an MP3 and put it on an iPod (laughs) or something. Uh, But yeah, this was was definitely in my rotation a long time ago because I knew a lot of these songs. It wasn't just the three hits, so I'm I'm sure I owned this at some point. I think this was probably a formative album for a lot of other bands. You know, I, I hear shade, like you said, man, Blink-182, I definitely. Right. Uh, I think I think a whole lot of pop-punk bands probably uh, molded themselves after these guys as far as that goes. I think they're masters of taking clean riffs and mixing in distortion over top and just, like, making it their own sound. Uh, you know, there are a few bands out there that, like, when you hear them, just from the guitar tone and stuff, you know it's them, and, and that right. fits Weezer. I mean, you, you can hear... You know, you can hear River's vocals and you can hear you can hear those guitar that distortion tone they use and you know it's them and have for a long time, honestly. Like even to this day, you know it's them. They've kind of changed. They're not they're quite more mainstream now now than they were back in those days. But even still, you hear that tone, you still know it's them even to this day. I mean, Buddy Holly was a huge hit in my opinion. Uh, as, I mean, three of the top five songs they have streamed on Spotify are on this album, as far as that goes. So there, there were a lot of hits on this. And then on the back half, I really thought like Surf Wax and In the Garage and Holiday, they were all solid back half songs. A lot of times you get filler in the back half of albums. None of that was filler. 
I know you guys probably liked Only in Dreams a little more than me, and and I think I do think it's something that if I listen to over time, it would grow more appreciate appreciation for. This went on, on a little long, but I definitely think that middle part. I agree, it rocks like hell. Uh, it was an enjoyable listen. Good pick, Jesse. I, I enjoyed listening to it this week. It's definitely something I'd recommend to anybody that hasn't listened to Weezer. If, if there's people out there that haven't listened to them or listened to this podcast, probably not likely. But if if so, then give it a listen because it's a great album. Yeah, I gave it seven point six overall. Yeah, dude. All right, so this yeah, is something right I didn't there get to mention, between man. great and excellent. So I think that's fair. Weezer have been doing this for twenty eight years since their first release. Twenty eight years. You're talking about a change because they were huge in the 90s. I'm pretty sure they were huge. I just missed that wave of, of alt rock and, and that kind of mm-hmm. weird vibe. And then you think about it what they did in 2019, they breathed life back into Toto. Okay. When they released Africa, holy crap, dude, as a band. And then all of a sudden it exploded again. They just they blew up. And it it's just amazing. Their journey has been standouts in a subgenre that is not necessarily highly acclaimed in the i guess the grand scheme of things but they have persevered for 28 years and basically just achieved an audience that is i mean i can't say metallica style but they are massive it's a massive fan base and to pile on to that comment when we reviewed uh toto the song africa had so many more listens than anything else on that album like it was over a billion streams, and I know it's because of these guys. <laughs> yeah, it has I mean, to be. It, that, it, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I know it was a popular song. Don't get me wrong, but so was Rosanna, and it was only at like at around three hundred million. I mean, it's that big a difference, and I know it's because Weezer like bumped the popularity of that song, and people started listening to it again. It had to be it. I'm so. telling you, and as funny as it is, didn't Toto they Toto end up covering Hashpipe by? Weezer in response <laughs> to the Africa I don't think it was cover. as successful, but yeah. It, it wasn't, but it's pretty funny though. I mean, just think about it. You're talking about a legendary band who was massive yeah. in the early 80s and they get a little bit of nod from a, a more modern band, which they weren't as modern. I guess they're getting an old, older like we are. And then Toto goes back and covers one of their songs from the mid 90s. Jesus, dude, yeah. it's hilarious. I just, it's just a funny how the, how the, music generation goes full circle there it's great all right well boys i I don't know if we're taking the week off next week or not chris we may throw in a bonus episode or something i know that anthony's on vacation and our next album coming in is going to be hootie um but we you know if you want to do something special we can it's up to you but uh, jesse first of all thank you for coming man thank you for stepping in this week and filling in incredible pick it definitely, I mean, it made Crystal smile because I was like, guess what we're reviewing? <laughs> She's like, oh my God, I love that album. You know, uh, you know, it's just, that's just how it is. But uh, man, it's awesome. All right. So was, we'll close this yeah. thing out. Um, any final words, Jesse, before I close this out? No, man, this has been fun. I appreciate you guys, you know, having me on. It's been awesome. Absolutely, so, man. Thanks. This is, yeah, you brought a lot great. to it. We man. appreciate, I appreciate your, yeah. your insight on this stuff, Jesse. You know a lot about this music, so it's good to have knowledgeable people on this podcast yeah thanks for getting up early on a sunday morning when you probably normally would sleep in we appreciate that too <laughs> I, I definitely would have slept in for another at least uh 35, two or three hours five right? minutes nah. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys for the audible ecstasy podcast this is jimmy this is chris and that was jesse <laughs> and guys this is it <laughs>